Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Primarily that the, the creators find it encouraging to just continue telling their stories and to find ways to get it in front of as many people as possible. That even if it might be a printed book, that you now have so many platforms to promote your book or your story for that matter. You know, uh, can, can you do a TikTok challenge to promote your book? Right? Uh, or, or, or again, in, in, in all of the other social media platforms. And hi, good evening. Welcome to an extra late and extra special edition of the RJ Ledesma podcast. And I am RJ Ledesma. Welcome, everybody. I hope you're all having a great Tuesday evening. And here in the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they've innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what business opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. I would love to have them here on the show. Drop me a message. We are live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas, and now the Bounce Back Network. And with tonight's very special guest, now all the way from Denmark, the way that I want to sort of couch this tonight's podcast is that, you know, we've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, but we also must remember that creators, you know, comic book creators or content creators are also creative entrepreneurs and members of our creative economy. And I would also love to hear uh, their own thoughts on how they're able to, you know, how did they, what, what pain points did they resolve in creating their business? What was their unique selling proposition for their creative endeavor and how they plan to expand and scale their businesses at the same time. So tonight we have on the show Tressa's comic book co-creator and the Netflix series executive producer and writer on the podcast. We are joined by number one, Budget Tan. Budget is a three-time winner of Best Graphic Literature of the Year in the Philippine National Book Awards for, of course, Trese, a Pinoy comic book series turned Netflix series. And joining him tonight is Tanya Yuson, who is the executive producer and writer of the animated Netflix version, or the anime of Trese. And he's also the founding partner and chief creative development officer of Base Entertainment. We're very happy to have them here on the show. Of course, tonight we'll find, find out more about Trese, but for those who haven't seen Trese just, just yet, it is a certified global success, ranking number one in Netflix in 19 countries all over the world. And before we start, I would just like to thank Maraming Salamat kay Budget, kay Kajo, kay Tanya, and to Filipino-American director Jay Oliva 
for wrapping Filipino creativity and culture to the rest of the world. Maraming salamat to you guys. What a win for the country's creative entrepreneurs and the creative economy. And tonight, I'm looking forward to hearing budget share the secret origin of the secret origin behind Trese. And at the same time, I'm also excited to hear Tanya's journey to bring Trese from comic book to top rating anime. And I want to ask budget two very important questions. When will we see Trese season two? And when will we see a Trese Lego set? Okay. With uh, welcome right now on stage. Let's welcome uh, budget. And of course, uh, together with Tanya. Guys, thank you so much for joining me here tonight, guys. Hi, thanks for having us. Hey, RJ. Long time no see. Long time no see. And I'm very thankful, really, uh, Budget, also because you rushed home from work uh, there in Denmark uh, to come and join us here tonight. What exactly are you doing for LEGO? For the people, you know, for the first-timers who, you know, I've, I've known you for years, Budget, we've known each other, both comic book geeks, when we still had less hair, more hair, less weight, more weight. Yes, different yes. comic book collections and eras. We've known each other. What are you doing exactly there in Denmark? I am part of the internal ad agency of Lego. So that means we're the guys who get to play with the toys two years ahead of everyone else. And we make the TV commercials and all of the ads that you're probably now seeing on social media. Uh, so yeah, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I remember, and people might not know, you were actually a creative director here in the Philippines before making that jump to Lego. How did exactly uh, did that happen from 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 the Philippines to to Denmark? Uh, thank you, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mervin Ignacio, who also works here in Lego, was the first one who found out that uh, Lego was posting job openings on LinkedIn. Um, and he took a chance and he uh, was able to get in. And then he told me to just keep trying. And I think I tried for over a year, got rejected twice. And third time, I finally got accepted. <laughs> wow, fantastic. Really, really interesting story. And, and Tanya over here, this is, this, is the, this is the more interesting thing because I actually know both of you separately. Budget, I know from my comic book Geek Life. And, <laughs> and Tanya, uh, actually... Her mom was actually my my my, my preschool principal in early wow. learning center. So uh, we go we we go actually Way ways back, back ways yes. back, and uh, we both go to the same like me and Bojet used to see, see each other in San Antonio Church when you were still here. Uh, me and Tanya were you know we both uh, we both were in the same church group uh, when we were younger, and at the same time, um, I went with her sister actually to a children's international summer village camp. So me me and Tanya kind of go uh, ways back as well. Um, Tanya. Uh, for those who don't know, I mean, they're seeing budget being very successful in, in you know, in, in creating this concept. Budget, okay lang yan. I'll, I'll massage your ego a bit lang here right now, if you don't mind. Because I'm so excited to to actually have you here. But, but Tanya, uh, ikaw naman, you know what budget did? Budget was the one who created, uh, co-created the concept together with Kajo. Base Entertainment, what did you guys exactly do to bring the comic book concept to the screen? What was your role? What is the role of your company over there, Base Entertainment? So basically, we're the producers, and we shepherded the comic when we found it, like about almost more than 10 years ago now. And I cold called Budge to be like, hey, can I meet with you randomly to talk about your comic, which I think is amazing. And I think it's something we could, you know, try to set up. So as the producer, you do everything soup to nuts, and you just find the projects you want, and you, 
you know, you try to pitch it for different platforms or different studios, much in a way like an entrepreneur does to try to set it up so to get it made. So it took a while, but we landed at the right home with Netflix anime. Ten years. I mean, you you met much ten years cold. Just you know, you just said that among everything that you've gone through, this is the this is the material which you which you particularly like, I guess. No. Yes. But ten, ten years is the actual is is the actual process it took for you to get to get there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. And, and uh, but I just have a question. So the first time that 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 Tanya got in touch with you, I know that you you guys are both from Ateneo. Uh, I guess your your paths never crossed in school, no. And and you know, since she cold called you, how how was it like? You're going. Who's this? Uh, who's this? Give me a call. Thankfully, I think you. The text came from uh, a common friend, so at least it wasn't just out of the blue. Na open-minded ka ba? Gusto mo ba? Is it a scam? right? So it was like. If if I remember, and I, I was asking Tanya, uh, you know, who did you text? That eventually that text message got to me. But if I remember right, it was my 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 boss, uh, Maricel Pangilinan Arenas, who sent me the message and said, "Oh, I got this text message of Tanya Yuson. She's a producer, and that she wants to meet with you about her comic book." So at least you know the 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 reference came from a trustworthy source. Uh, and I made sure we, we met in daylight and not <laughs> in I could have been dangerous. I could have yes, been yes. dangerous. I wanted, to, I wanted us to meet in public. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, it turned out uh, it turned out to be, uh, and, and I, I don't know if I sent it to you, Tanya. I found the first email that you sent me, which was which you sent the day after we met. So there. So you know, it uh, it was a it was a fun discussion about the book. Tanya had all of these questions about the characters, and that started. That we did not know this was going to take ten years, but right. here we are now. But how was it? Evolu- I think mind. Yeah, please tell me. You're going to add. Please add to it. Yeah. No, I was just going to say. I told Budge from the beginning. It's a long shot. Like mm-hmm. we don't know how if it's going to happen because at that time nobody was really looking for material that was specifically set in the Philippines from the Philippines for a Philippine. I mean, people were looking stuff at stuff for a Philippine market, but I felt like this was something that needed the right way to be set up to be done properly. So, you know, and I told Budget and Kaja from the beginning, we know this can work. We're just not, we're just not sure like how. <laughs> so, so it was, it was kind of a long shot, but we knew the material is good. And, and time and again, every time we tried to set it up, the material was never the problem. People really liked it. It was just a matter of conditions, situations the whole chemistry of the combination for it. Ten years ago, uh, Netflix was maybe just a flicker of an idea or it wasn't even around uh, it was, but it was the It was like the video. In the, it was only in the U.S. and it was kind of the DVDs three for a dollar. Yeah. So it, wasn't the, it wasn't the current business model. Is no, that, that it wasn't, the, yet, it wasn't no. online. There was no streaming. There was no interest in like in content that was produced locally that may or may not travel to other territories. Like that all came later. So my producing partner, Shanti Harmine and I, we, you know, we look back and we were just like, okay, we were maybe a bit ahead. We were just maybe that much ahead of everybody else, but we could see it so clearly. We're like, it's, it's the timing is good. And we, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. It's just that, you know, people's ma- corporate mandates and, you know, company mandates were just not there yet. There were, there were moments, there were moments, RJ, when like, you know, for example, um, a channel or like a cable channel will suddenly start showing some supernatural show. And I would, you know, message Tanya, look, Tanya, 
<laughs> That's what we want to do. And it's, you know, it, it just felt like uh, that, that the different channels, both locally and globally, were starting to delve into talking about folklore, talking about the supernatural. So, so there were these moments when, when you know, I would have these constant uh, uh, long uh, chats with Tanya of like, are we missing the boat? You know, did we miss our chance? And, you know, Tanya was just always saying, it's not the right time. It's not the right chemistry. We have to just keep moving and trying. Yeah, because for us, the key is really protecting the IP or intellectual property. And for the quality of how you adapt it protects is the best, one of the best ways you can protect it. So we weren't going to say yes for a position that wasn't going to serve it well. Like maybe the budgets weren't big enough. Maybe the way they wanted to do it wasn't kind of in keeping with, you know, what it was. But that's not to say that we wouldn't be open to morphing it if it called for it. But as long as it, it was done in the right way. And that's another thing I told Budget and Kaja to be ready for. Because anytime you adapt material, let's say from book to screen and, you know, the most obvious for recent memory would be like Harry Potter to that scale. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you have to be prepared where it morphs from what you have, but they would always have the comic book as the realm to control. But once it's out of, it's kind of out of your hands when you, when you put it to a different medium, because there are changes that need to be made for it to go to the different medium. 10 years ago, when you actually came up with Trese, as, as you know, when you pitched the budget, did, did you think that it would be coming out as an anime? Or did you think that there would be other mediums that you would do in it? Do it in. I mean, it could have been live action TV show miniseries. It could have been a movie. Actually, but I was telling you before. I actually remember I tried out for a for a like a live action. There was a, there was a foreigner who was doing it, and I, I tried out for one role because I was just so excited to you know this is this is this is <laughs> Tressa. I love Tressa, so I, I tried out for the role at that time. But what the, role? Then, what role did you try person. out for? I think it was the 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 psychic. Cup. I forget the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tapia, yeah, Tapia. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that happening, RJ. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I really, I really came to the. I really felt that I was in the trouble. But anyway, yeah. But can you, but Tanya, maybe you can tell me. Were you already guys talking at that time when that when that producer was coming over, or or what was happening? Maybe no, you can help me understand. I, I think that was the time. So so when me and just started uh, Trese, of course it was a. It was a passion project. It was a hobby. It was a way to not do something uh, advertising related. And we just started to sell it at our, you know, favorite comic bookstores, uh, mm. Comic Quest, you know, eventually Comic Odyssey and Druidski. Uh, and we sold it for 30 pesos, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the first time we ever got, and, and again, you know, we did it for the sake of because we wanted to make comics. We got, uh, funnily enough, one of the local, one of the TV directors that we used to work with, found, you know, read it and, and loved it enough to pitch it to one of the local studios. And we met up with them and they, they read it. You know, the one of the things that made me realize that, you know, we need to just keep doing the comic book was uh, that particular studio said, you know, what's going to be a big hit, you know, to, for, for the Masa you need to give a love interest to Trese. You know, so we should come up with a, you know, a boyfriend or something for Trese. And, you know, I had to find a way to smile and figure out a way to say, that's not what the book is about, right? And then later on, there was also an attempt, one of the 
like years later, one of the other TV directors wanted to make a short film. So I think that's what you were applying for. So mm-hmm. they had gone as far as casting for it. Uh, but again, it was um, uh, they realized that the scope of what they wanted to make was something they couldn't afford to do. So eventually it got uh, shut down. So, but there. And then after that, I think soon after that was when I met Tanya already. So I think those are like the one or two times a studio had approached us and said, sure, we want to do this, but dot, dot, dot. And there was always this, you know, something that just didn't make it feel like that they did not understand what the book was about. Um, yeah. So, and having said that, no, we, we talked about uh, Tanya and Bud, that you were saying you have to be ready that the original content that you have for the book is not going to be necessarily translated into the content that you will have that comes out. No, can you just share with us? I mean, for many of us, I mean, this is such an interesting thing. Even for me, as as a, uh, I was a, I'm a creative nonfictionist, right? So, what's that particular evolution where you came from? Okay, this is the book, right? And then. What stages did it have to go through to eventually become an anime? Because I'm sure there were, I mean, you being a creative producer, Tanya, and, and your background when you, you, were, you were producing live action, cartoons, or other things, how did it end up becoming an anime? Originally, anim- animation was not on the table because nobody was really producing anime. The, the ones who were doing it that got a lot of distribution were more for, um, from the U.S., where it was Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, Sony kind of getting into the picture. And they weren't going to do something that was edgy or as dark as this. Mm-hmm. Japan was doing their own thing, so it's not like we were going to pitch it to Japan at that point, you know. So we were really, we were really pitching it as a live action. Like that's what we were going, like a, either a series, a limited series, or a film, because you have to remember if it's set in Manila, there's only going to be a certain scale of a budget that's going to be given to you just because of the market, and you know, depending on who, either the platform or the studio or whoever the distribution was, they had their own scale, and you base it on. What's the appetite of the Philippine market for, you know, for their own product? So that's, that's actually a key thing. And it was only later, uh, when we had pitched to Netflix and in particular, John Derdarian took an interest in it because Castlevania had just come out and was a big mm. hit for them. Okay. Castlevania was their first non-Japanese animation and it's just four episodes. And after that, he started looking for, you know, anime content outside of Japan. And we came across his desk. We met him and he said, okay, this is great. And things happened very fast after that. So we were like, oh, okay, anime. All right, sure. So it, and it works for us. It works for them. And that's how the ball uh, got started rolling. But how did you feel? I mean, I mean, cause like I remember, I know, I know, but I mean, when, when, when I used to talk to budget before and you talked about doing comic books, you were saying, but this is a great sort of like platform or springboard because, you know, when I would read his works for, for geeks like us, and I think Bench would understand, like, I can see the Warren, Warren Ellis influence there. I can see, I can see Alan Moore. I can see Grant Morrison. So far, you can see uh, all these things. And I think, you know, for people like us who, who, who like to write, your ultimate goal is I want to get, I want to have a script for DC or, or, or for Marvel, right? Eventually coming up. And then how did it feel for you that all of a sudden from, you know, writing stuff, you're going, my, my work going to be on Netflix. How, how was that for you? How did it that feel you when the time you came back and told that to you? It was a mixture of like, yeah, of, of disbelief. And at the same time, there's a feeling of, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> because again, it was 10 years of, 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 you know, getting news from Tanya, getting excited about, you know, the opportunity, about their meetings. 
uh, with with a lot of people and a lot of studios. So you know, the year on year, it felt like a roller coaster ride of like, oh, this is gonna be the, this is gonna be it. It's gonna be the big break. And, uh, <laughs> you know. So yeah, so definitely to hear it was Netflix and that it was gonna be anime was really exciting because all of the other barriers that we had before of like, can it be produced properly? You know, can can we depict Manila, our creatures in the best way possible? Suddenly felt possible because it will be rendered in, in anime. Then And then the, the additional news of Jay Oliva was going to be our showrunner and executive producer right? and director. So, you know, I'm a fan of Jay's work. So suddenly it just all made sense that, yes, this is the best way to launch, you know, Trece uh, or adapting Trece from a comic book to something else. Lagi ka bang nag-OT tapos OTY? Meron ka bang mga salbahing boss at pabidang mga office mates? Nako, isa kang immortal. I'm Stanley Chi from The Underpaid Podcast. We talk about work-related topics na parang nagchichismisan lang sa pantry. It's a pro-employee podcast na relatable sa lahat ng nag-opisina, pumapasok man, petics, o work from home. Listen and subscribe to The Underpaid Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Kita-kits, mga immortal. How is it like, uh, Tanya, bringing Jay Oliva to the picture? So after you talked to the big bosses of Netflix, I mean, was it just serendipitous that the director was <laughs> Filipino-American and had just left doing DC animated movies and he was here? I mean, tell us a bit more about because that's very interesting. I mean, the perspective, not just as a, you know, as an, a Filipino immigrant, diba? Uh, as, an, as an immigrant, and also you just know the Philippines sort of like second-hand from your, from your family. How, how did yeah. that all come well, about with Jay? Jay? Jay is first-gen. His parents are the ones who immigrated. So he, okay. he was born and he grew up in the U.S. But they would come home quite often. But of course, you know, it's like every Balikbayan. They come home, they see relatives, they eat, they tour around, but they don't really kind of delve in. But Jay grew up, as he says, with very Filipino values. And the, the parents would, you know, talk about their, the culture and being home and like, you know, what, how they grew up. So that sort of seeped in his sort of like, you know, in, in like the back burner. It was kind of there for him. The, the thing that brought him in is he already, he has this amazing career. Like he's done all the, you know, very interesting DC movies and Young Justice, all those series mm-hmm. that kind of have a little bit of an edge to them and are a bit deeper emotionally than say your regular series. And actually it was Netflix. It was John who, you know, brought him in and suggested him. And when we wow. discussed it, I was like, that's a really, that's a really good get. <laughs> and as Jay says, when he got the call from John, he's like, wait, am I being considered for a job because I'm Filipino? Because that's never happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was really a lot of things on this project were quite serendipitous, but it was also because the people who were involved and who we ended up tapping, they're kind of at the, you know, the pinnacle of their game coming in. And, you know, most of them Filipinos, some of them not. But coming together, everybody was on the same page about how we wanted to work on this project and the quality we wanted to keep it at. Wow. And now, having said that, no, of course, um, I've, I've read I've read Trese and, and I, I love the stories. I mean, the, the other part is, I'm coming from the perspective of looking at both budget and yourself. 
Siyempre, budget is, you know, you have an affinity for the stories that you wrote, right? And then now, you're giving it to somebody. How was that process of actually, you know, slightly letting go to say, okay, I'll let you adapt the stories and maybe even change some of the stories? Because, uh, you know, some writers can be notorious for saying, don't change the source material. That's that's all mine. You can't, you know, you, you can't touch that. To saying, okay, I'm willing to play ball with you. How, how is that process like for, for both of you as, as you're creating the content? Yeah, I, I was trying to think of a joke. Now I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say Kinula Makonitanya. That's No, I think being a comic book geek kind of prepared me for this kind of adaptation. And again, this is the kind of conversations I would have a lot with Tanya. I mean, uh, when Tanya was saying it can morph into something just so that it would be adapted, there are versions of Trece hidden in Tanya's, uh, maybe behind that box, where <laughs> it, it does not look like what the anime is like. But you know, you know, you can, we, you know, this is Trece and that this is the source material, but stuff around it has changed. And that's the kind of thing that we were looking at very, very early on. And again, as a comic book geek, you know, the, the movies I love, uh, you know, let's say Christopher Nolan's Batman, we can spot which comic books he picked to make that story. And I know as a, as a Batman fan, if he took the exact same comic book and turned that into a movie, it would be a horrible movie. Right? <laughs> so he needed to figure out, you know, which elements of Batman does he use so that he can then deliver a really good movie. And not a comic book, and and yeah, it, it's, it was the same process with with Tanya and Jay. That that's the sort of thing I had in the back of my mind before reading the scripts, before seeing the final episodes. That I knew changes needed to happen to make it different, surprising, uh, and still make it enjoyable for an old reader, and especially to people who've never ever heard of Tresen. So, were you a, were you a creative consultant? Uh, I mean, you didn't have to say yes or no, right? I mean, I, I approve, I disapprove. You just say, oh, FYI na lang ba, usually for the script. Yeah, we, we had, uh, on the, the I think the day before, your writer's summit, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, it was during, it was our during. first day. Our first day of the summit, basically. So I got to spend some time, I was here in Denmark, and I uh, got to uh, call up Jay and the team, and they, it was really more of like a, a Q&A session about the characters in the world. And it was Kajo who got to fly in and spend the day with them, with Jojo Aguilar, talking about character designs and creature designs. And that was it. So after that, it was entirely up to the team to develop this show. Yeah, I mean, Budge and Kajo actually were quite fearless because I, you know, and I totally get it from a creator standpoint where you've created something and it's, it would be very hard to let go. I probably would have like a hard time, you know, if I were in their shoes, but to their credit, they're like, sure. And they even said, we want to see how other people adapt it because it's interesting for them. And, and I told them, guys, you're ahead of the curve with that attitude because then it opens it up more for, you know, for the possibilities. Of, of where the book could go because that that's also something creators have to think about is like who do you want to see your work and do you want to adapt it for some people they might not want to but if you want to take that risk and you know the possibilities ending up with you know we were lucky where you know the anime did really I mean the anime looks really good and it's done really well 
that's where it can go, but with, you know, with the right guidance along the way. So we never took that trust for granted, like ever. Shanti and I would always, you know, talk to Budget and Kajo, keep the lines open because we knew they trusted us and we never took that for granted. Budget, maybe did it help you out also that you're, I mean, you are a creative director by, by, by profession, right? So, I mean, sometimes, you know, you, when you develop a concept, especially for commercials or whatever, it's a, sometimes a decision by committee, but after you develop the concept, people sort of, sort of insert uh, what has to be done to hit strategic mandates or objectives. Was that helpful to you? I mean, it helped you become more accepting of the process, I guess. Yeah, and, and that, that input and feedback from others can improve the work. Not by a committee, but yeah, with, you know, especially with the people that you trust. And I think that's what me and Kajo got to see in the years that, that we were working with Tanya. That again, there were many mo- there were moments and I was telling Tanya, let's go for that. Why can't we go for that? And said, no, no, no. <laughs> we, something better will come along. So sometimes I'm the one that's like, yeah, we can make that change. So, but, um, but there, so, so again, by the time we, we got the, uh, this this news that it was going to be on Netflix, that you know it was um, that that they were setting up uh, you know the series, and early on Tanya told me already that it was going to be six episodes. So in my head, I was like, how do you how do you tell thirteen stories into six episodes, right? But yeah, I mean, again, based on 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 the, our past experiences, I knew that Tanya and the team would take care of the the essence of of Teresa and stick to the core of the story and that there will be changes. <laughs> I'm curious actually, if, if you don't if you don't mind, no, I mean I, I've been I, I watched Tressa and I watched everybody reviewing Tressa because I want to know. I thought, you know, as a as a Filipino and a member of the creative economy, but I wanna you know you want to protect your you you protect your own. And some people have been saying that it feels a bit the six episodes feels a bit rushed just because I mean they want to see more. And for me that's a that's actually a, a good thing. Yeah, we'll and, take you know, it. We'll totally yeah. take it that they want to see more. We're fine with that. <laughs> because I mean, if you look at it, I'm just, I mean, if you look as an entrepreneur or as a business guy, if I'm looking at it, okay, business model of Netflix basically is that if it's an untested show, four episodes or six episodes to see whether it works or not, yep. sort of like pilot testing, right? I mean, that's that's how I see it. I mean, is that sort of what happened here that they said, okay, we'll, give, we'll green light you for six episodes to see how well it does and if it's good, we'll give you, bet- we'll give you a, a more runway in the future. Is that basically sort of what happened, Tanya? Yeah, you have to remember that it's a gamble for them as well because it's not been done before. We're actually the first anime, original and series anime from Southeast Asia, and it's from the Philippines. So double gamble right there to see like if that's gonna if it's gonna click or not. So you know they gave us the budget we could work with, but of course they have to mitigate the risk. So how did you, from a creative standpoint, how did you? I, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I have to, you have to take budget stories of what's been printed mm-hmm. and, and play with that one and also come up with, I guess, expound on your own story. I mean, in the book, The God of War was not, didn't play that big a role in, 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 the, in the stories, right? And well, then, spoiler territories. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Watching that, right? No, but then how did you know how to, I, I guess, no? And this is another interesting thing. Forgive me, one of the writers is also, he was one of my writers as well when I took over Uno magazine this time around. Nick, uh, Nick, Nick, sorry. Mick, right, yeah. Me and Nick used to work together also. He's one of my writers for, uh, for Uno magazine. How did you have to, I mean, in six episodes, how did you say which material would you take 
coming from the comic book, which one would be original? It's, it's this one, right? It's the feeler, right? Uh, how do you know? What did you take from your previous experience, Tanya? And, and then sort of put there to say, okay, I know what works for a comic book, but I also know what doesn't, might, what might not work there. And this might work better because of this, the format of an anime. It was also conversations, having conversations with Jay. I knew from my perspective that in six episodes, you want to introduce the world of Tresse in a satisfying way. And that also meant you couldn't do it the way the books have it, where it's episodic. You still had to have like this bigger arc so that it felt like a, you know, a bigger story and a satisfying ending at the end. And with Jay coming in, he's kind of fresh eyes because I, you know, I know those books in and out having read them like, you know, over, over the years. So I know the details, but for Jay, it was fresh eyes and he had, he had just gotten hold of all the books just as he was flying into Manila. And then he read all of it and, and kind of came up. I knew what I, I knew what we needed in there as like an intro and, you know, iconic, iconic images like the white lady in Baleta Drive, you know, and that I felt you need to have that to show sort of that, that entry into the world. And Jay came in with an idea of like, okay, the bigger arcing story, this is where he saw Tressa starting and this is where he saw it ending. And so during the story summit, which we had had for 10 days, you know, as just after Tresse was announced in Singapore, the three of uh, the four of us hammered out, okay, we have six episodes, which cases would feel iconic. If we only ever got one season, what would fill it out well? What would give the best intro, but also leave us room for building future seasons after that. So all those considerations came into play. And that's where we were picking and combining and figuring out all right, this is how this arc goes and this is these are the cases we combine and, and this is the focus of this story. All of that was hammered out and then, you know, we started, like, me, Mick, and Zig started writing after that. No, I remember because, uh, I mean, earlier on, when I mean, many years ago, I was looking at some conversations I had with Budget and recalling them. I mean, if you watch them, you're, you know, in, in my head I was playing, okay, he was thinking of an X-Files, sort of like regular uh this year's show but there's a there's an overarching mytho- mythology that you're getting to right yeah. sort of like with the cigarettes sorry so dated but the cigarette smoking man and, and, uh-huh. and the aliens right the kids yes. don't know that the kids have yeah. no idea what that is uh, it's there mean, i know but uh, but that, that's basically i mean budget that's what that's where we were coming off of and i remember if, yeah. if you look at this earlier work it's like you can see the planetary by 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 warren ellis and, and some what he played with over there and you can sort of see Alan Moore and how he played with things like Darna. What do the people in Lego think? Like you, so you know, you're 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 a creative director. They go, "What? You have an award-winning show on Netflix?" I mean, I mean, how does how does it work with your colleagues? That, that must be interesting. They not not a lot of them uh, knew about it at first. There were a couple that that heard about it. So they we have uh, one of the things that the team does here is just so that you know you're not always. Strangely enough, looking at toys all day can be very tiring. <laughs> so you, you have to find inspiration from outside, you know, from, from other sources. So what they do is normally they invite other creatives, artists, directors to come to the office and give a talk about, you know, what, what is your passion project? So when one of my colleagues heard about Trese, she said, oh, can you give a talk about, you know, your, your comics and about Filipino folklore? So... Some of them knew about it because of that one talk that I gave. And then on the day the uh, the show launched, one of our friends, uh, another Filipina, decided to type in the very scary 
email all <laughs> agency. And I'm not just talking about Denmark, right? So the email went to everyone in Lego ad agency in Shanghai. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so she did say it. Uh, the introvert in me was crying when I <laughs> said that. <laughs> but that was uh, super nice of, of Leia to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, to, to promote the show. Then we started to get replies from, uh, you know, people I've been working with for the longest time who didn't know I had it, as well as like suddenly I discovered there's a Pinoy in the Singapore office who said, "Oh, kamusta na? Congrats!" <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a great way to suddenly realize, "Oh, may mga Pinoy pala dun sa, ano, in other parts of Lego, in other in the other agency in the other agency offices." So yeah, so it, it's great to to feel you know the support and the enthusiasm and them asking you know what's uh, uh, tell me more about the Aswang. <laughs> so so yeah, so now there's you know now we're comparing it to like so what's the Danish version? So yeah, you have your dwarves, oh, you have our duende. Yeah. So so yeah, it, it's you know it's it's now now I'm like trying to find out more of their. Danish mythologies and Scandic uh, creatures. So in true comic book fashion, in true comic book geek fashion, will there be a crossover now between uh, Trese and uh, between uh, Filipino mythology, lower mythology, and uh, uh, Norse mythology? Why, why not? Why not? Let's see. <laughs> Let's see where inspiration takes us. I, I have a good question, actually. Roger, again, uh, coming in and asking you, how is Trese in Denmark? Has, has it actually been captured by the local media over there that there's a Filipino celebrity there working amidst Lego? Can you still walk the streets without being stopped for a picture or an autograph? He needs to hire security already. <laughs> it's getting out of hand. Thank you, Roger, for that wonderful for that wonderful picture. No, this it's um so I tried to look for Trese here in Denmark. So I went to one of the biggest comic book stores in Copenhagen. They did not have it. <sighs> then I went to a comic book store, which I think is probably as old as Phil Bars. Wow. So it's a comic book store called Fantasque. And then they had one copy of Trese, the Ablaze edition. So I bought it. So I can now say sold out na ang Trese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, Roger. So far, hindi pa ako dinudumog dito. There, there are a lot of cows. <laughs> Outside your house, <laughs> right next there. But, but oh yes, there are cows. They, I don't know if they read the book, but we'll find out. <laughs> they you must can have a reading with the material. Cows. You know? a picture. <laughs> but how does it feel? But just how does it feel right, like right now? I mean, I, I said this to you, parang you know, there are writers in DC and Marvel. Ambition before as a as a comic book writer, diba DC and Marvel, I wish I could break into them by, like Marvel, you can't break into them unless you've got previous work that you've written and you show them and they go, okay, I'll let you. And you know, I know that you've been submitting, but they, but they didn't accept it and you had some proof, right? I, but they just want proof that you can write and you, you showed that. But now you're the guy with the Netflix show. You and Mark Millar are the guy with the Netflix show and the other people from DC I, and Marvel don't have that show. No, you know, if I could say, like, we are talking about this with Budge in terms of, like, you know, DC, Marvel. I go, Budge, do you realize you're Stan Lee right now? Basically, <laughs> you're Stan Lee. <laughs> wow. 
Where's the exaggerated movements in the process? <laughs> and then, no, here Eddie has the cameo. The cameo's there, so. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Thank you for the cameo. <laughs> thank you, Jay and Jojo, for the cameo. <laughs> Yes, yes. At least I was not on a page. At least it was a nice photo. Yeah. But I was there. But it was a nice photo. And I had hair. I think I had hair in that photo. Right. Um, I mean, it, as an, I guess as an indie creator, it, you know, it does feel like we're, it, we're living the dream. I guess we are. <laughs> it's really strange, RJ. You know, it doesn't... It, it doesn't feel real, no? Yeah, yeah, it feels, uh, it still feels strange to talk about it at this, at this stage. For me, it's like to get all of this, uh, you know, congratulations and feedback from everyone. It feels, I don't know, it just feels like, you know, my, my heart will explode, you know. And I've had my ugly crying moment, uh, <laughs> you know, of like, oh my God, this is happening, you know. At the same time, you know, my biggest fear is still coming back and staring at the blank page and typing in page one, panel one, and now I have to continue the story, right? To make matters worse, Jay and Tanya have created an entire new timeline. (laughs) (laughs) So now you can have... The, the, bu- the budget timeline meet up with the Netflix Tresa timeline, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic comic book fashion. <laughs> it's like DC Multiverse going on over there. Right? I mean, the fans are now, I mean, the readers are now saying, oh, Maliksi and the anime is sexier than Maliksi and the book. It's like, now it's going, we're competing against ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's more options. Just think about it that it's more options. Yeah. I, they can, I they can, it takes the pressure off of you for like book eight for them to obsess about the anime for a while. <laughs> let, them, let them be distracted. You can have a life in between. Hi there. My name is Laika Maravilla. Has anyone ever called you a try hard? Is trying hard a bad thing or a good thing? Let's talk about that in the Trying Hard with Like a Maravilla podcast. Brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. And you can have, no, it's like the Ezra Miller Flash meeting the Grant Gustin Flash. No? So it's like uh, the Liza Soberano Trece and the Shane Mitchell Trece meeting the, the, the comic book Trece. Right? Yes, yes. I love it. I love it. There or you like go. a WandaVision kind of wait. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly, exactly. Price, crisis on 13 Earths. There you correct, go. Correct. You Good got your own crisis now, bud. You got your own crisis now. <laughs> See, I told on. you you were like all those guys rolled into one. <laughs> now, can I just ask? Um, this is interesting, right? Now you said earlier on that you announced Tresse in Singapore, right? For Netflix. Netflix How long yeah. from the from the process of when you announced it? Then you produced it until it finally came out. I, I, I'm very curious now. That's like 2018. So about three years. Yeah, almost three years. Wow, three years point. to create six, three years animation, to create. Yeah, because animation episodes. takes that lead time to do it. And we're already working like, you know, with Jay's experience, he knew how to how to map it out in terms of the schedule, like, you know, what the art needed to be and, you know, and the artists that he had working for him in LA, like Jojo Aguilar, who's the art director, he's done a lot of big things. Like he did Claws, which is also on Netflix and really, and really beautiful stuff. 
But a lot of his crew at Lex and Otis are Filipino, uh, Filipino American. So they were all invested. So it was interesting that we had a lot of Filipinos in almost every stage of this production, down to like post in the US, like for the audio. Like we have this guy named Maverick at Bang Zoom, who is like, it looks like he's Top Gun as he's like doing the panels. Like he's doing everything on the fly in like like one second. I'm like, that's why they call you Maverick. (laughs) (laughs) And the voice actors, you know, in the U.S., it was also a big deal for them. So it was really nice to see, you know, how this wasn't, we think it's a great story. We think it's special. And now there was like a whole other group of people who had never read it before, but were discovering it. And were just throwing everything they had at it. And they were very good at their jobs. So it was, it was a privilege to see that also during the production. You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Bud is familiar with this one and also Tanya, but, you know, like sometimes they... You do what you, you pilot test. I mean, that happens it for advertising, that happens for movies, that happens in, in startup world. You pilot test, does the story work at this point? Does it not work at this point? How exactly do you pilot test, especially in the, if you do, right? I mean, you, 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 you write the story, you hope it's right, you hope your intuition and your gut and your years of experience in storytelling work. How do you know you're taking it in the in the right direction? Is there a way to, to test that on the way? The launch was basically the pilot test. <laughs> the launch was the pilot test, really. I mean, we wow. we knew it was good um, internally. Netflix also knew it was good. They're you know they're really good with letting the creators kind of lead the way, and they knew what we were trying to do. They could see it even from the script stage, and then seeing all the rushes and the edits. And of course, they were very helpful with their notes. But we all didn't know how it would hit till June 11. So the reason budget says it's weird and it is still weird to me is also because we're so isolated from everybody. Like we'll hear people, like we'll get congratulations and, you know, people will message. But because we're just separate, sometimes it doesn't feel real. (laughs) Wow. How was it like, how was it like that night before my my birthday is June 10th? I was so happy to stay up until June 11th (laughs) to, to, to watch to, 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 to binge From one watch. salubong to another salubong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was one of those uh, binge watching also that night. How did it feel, Budge? How did it feel, Tanya? That, that I mean, Tanya, you've done many shows in the past, so I mean, I'm not to say that it's not. It didn't feel exciting as well. But Budge, how, how did you feel? You're at the, you know, your baby, ten years in the making. It's about about to come. How was that? How was it feeling for you at that time? Yeah, it was. It, it was that typical feeling of you know holding my breath. You know, of like. As, as we're about to, to launch this thing. And yeah, there was a, and of course, I don't know if it's the same feeling because as it was, lot, the, the midnight countdown in the Philippines was happening at dinner time here in Denmark. <laughs> so, you know, it was still, um, you know, I still had get out of, get, get out of work, get out of a Zoom call and then, you know, start looking at what was happening online and then we got on a call with Tanya. Yeah, we, we all so had a big we had a big team Tressa kind of Zoom call as we were thirteen counting down to like midnight. The thirteen so, minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean I think that that's that also is that's what also made it feel great. There was that thirteen minute countdown where you had all of those additional bonus segments that it was uh, everyone's first time to see the Up Dharma Down song. Totally. My special request from Tanya and the team, if they could get UBD to do the theme song. And again, and you know, and to see that that video clip that, that 
uh, Netflix made where all of us were talking about essentially summarizing our 10-year journey leading up to the final second. There was a 13-second countdown all the way up to 12 midnight, right? So it was the closest we got to like feeling being together and, yeah. you know, uh, feeling that, that excitement of finally it's there. And then slowly you start seeing, you know, like fireworks in the distance. You see people, episode one, done. <laughs> I'm watching in Japanese. You know, you know, it just starts popping up all over your feed. And it's like, and it was just relentless over the weekend. Oh my God. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm even still caught up at this point. But I'm like, how do people on social, how do you do it, RJ? I'm like, cannot <laughs> I'm just like, what is this life? I can't do it. <laughs> Then how is it like for you to find out all of a sudden? I mean, what impresses me the most or, you know, what resonates with me the most is the fact that, I mean, it's stopping in other countries because, you know, I mean, this this mythology that we have, I mean, Budget's not just repping Alexander Tresse. He's, he's repping Filipino culture, lower mythology culture. I mean, these are things which you know, people are saying we actually grew up with knowing the white lady. If you live in Manila, you know the white lady, you know the aswang, you know the, you never piss on an anthill over here, right, in the Philippines. <laughs> because that, that's yeah. what you grew up how did it feel for you when all of a sudden, wow, all these people are watching Teresa, they're, they're seeing Filipino culture for the first time, you're topping well, in 19 countries. How, how did that feel, Budge and, and Tanya? Well, it's first we wonder, okay, is it the Filipino diaspora? But you don't get into the top 10 list in certain countries without that crossing over, like the U.S. or Canada, because it's mm-hmm. just not that population. So I think it's definitely for the Filipinos abroad, it's, it, you know, it was, it's a, it's something from home, which we are very happy to represent. You know, that's why it looks like Manila. It feels like Manila. And for the first time, it's immortalized in like a beautiful, like animation. So we felt there, there was a, there was the element of that. But also at the same time, it's also what I found special about Budget and Kajo's work is that if you grew up in the Philippines, you appreciated it. If you didn't grow up in the Philippines and knew nothing about the Filipino culture, the story was riveting and you could get into it pretty easily. It was very accessible. So I think yes, that's, that's right. the other thing that is going for it in terms of crossing over to, you know, people who aren't Filipino or who didn't grow up in the Philippines. Your, but, your, yeah. yeah, your question, RJ, reminds me of a time years ago. And I think I was, I can't remember if I, if I was in some if it was a mall or some office in, in Makati. But anyway, I was in the elevator, the door opens, and this little girl and her Lola comes into the elevator. And the little girl is holding a copy of Percy Jackson, of The Lightning Thief. And she's just telling, she's so excited with what she just read. She's telling her Lola all about the, you know, the Greek gods and all of the titans and all of the creatures from, from that mythology. And the door opens, and I had to already step out to my floor. And the girl was just kept on going because she was so excited with what she just read. And walking away from that elevator, I couldn't help but think, what do we need to do to get that little girl excited and talk about Tikbalangs and Manananggal and Chanak and all of our uh, and, and that we have a God of War. Spoilers! Um, <laughs> but there, so it was like, so I think that that's, the, you know, I, I, I go back to that moment and I hope that, you know, that's what this can do. I mean, aside from just uh, that the world can give a second look to uh, and ask what, el- what other stories are coming from the Philippines that yeah. they would say that was interesting 
tell me more about your folklore. Tell me more about your mythologies. I, I've seen messages and some friends who live abroad who have kids and they're watching Tresa together and sometimes in Filipino with English subtitles. And for them, it's like a way to get into the culture for them and introduce it. And so, because also we don't just explain a lot, actually. Like yeah. we go in and we just say, okay, this is it. If you want to find out more, you can look it up. Because there are a lot of shows that are like that of different cultures and we just look it up. So we felt it's legit. It's, you know, it's, it's valid to do the same thing. It's an entry, it's an entry point for them to start conversations with their parents about culture, but it's also allowing them to be introduced to it. So hopefully we do get to that point. Like you said, that's such a great story with that little girl where they're as excited, you know, knowing about their culture and the stories that we have. Um, and it, it just gets them, it becomes the opening point for them to learn more about the Philippines. Uh, having said that, no, I, um, I just want to just go back a bit more um, to, the, to the secret origin of Tresa, the secret origin of the secret origin of Tresa. And but <laughs> I, I know this time, uh, you know, we, we've known each other for that longest time when you, when you were still in the ad agency and, and you developed, you know, the, I call, Ashkan is a nice word, but it's actually photo, photocopy, like, and you stapled it together, you put it out. <laughs> right? I mean, yes. you, were, you, were doing, you were doing your day job and you were doing comics. It's like being, a, I mean, because this show is about entrepreneurship, right? I mean, it's that sometimes you do your hustle, and that was your hustle. Your hustle was the comic book because it was a yeah. passion hustle. Were there times that, you know, you said, where is this taking me? This must be useless. I mean, I'm not going to continue doing this. What, 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 what were those points for you, and what, what kept you going despite that? I think it was uh, the partnership with Kajo. I think me and Kajo would go through that cycle and thankfully, that it never happened at the same time. <laughs> so yeah. there were moments when Kajo would have that line of questioning, you know, is this worth it? Because he has a day job as well. And he needs to do Trese after the day job. And then, so same, same with me as well. You know, moving here is, was also like a big change for, for me. And then moving here was also the time uh, Seraph was born, my, you know, my, my yeah, boy. Yeah. So it was like... It was a learning period to become a father as well. So I think at different points in time, uh, there was always that dynamic between me and Kajo of like, sometimes it's, he, he would toss me an idea and say, how about we do this? How about we just try one more book and do it this way? I would, I would have the idea of like, there would be a lull and I wouldn't hear from Kajo for some time. And I would say, Instead of continuing this story, how about we do it, you know, this way? So I think because of that kind of, we, we got energy from each other and we got encouragement from each other. And that just got the ball rolling. It might not be moving. Our first year, I still think, was our most productive year, RJ. That was the time we produced the first eight stories of Trece. But we, we, we somehow slowed down years later. Uh, but there, so I think, you know, having a partner who believes in you, uh, who will give you that bit of encouragement. Uh, and, you know, I, and as, as well as, uh, you know, thanks to our Facebook group. I think that's also another source of encouragement uh, whenever, of course, at a, at a certain point, they're, they're just, it feels like they're constantly asking, where's book eight? <laughs> or like, I love it, the day we launched book seven, the first, you know, we book seven now available. The first comment was, 
when's book 8? <laughs> <laughs> demanding? Demanding? <laughs> Oo, minsan na-demanding yung dating eh. But again, you know, it's great encouragement from from everyone. You know, so, so yeah. And then, but, but, but what did you feel? I guess the, the flip side of that question is, when did you feel like, oh my God, we, we made it? Yung parang, you know, parang things were picking up because, you know, there, there's that aha moment I think we should continue this one. It, it's you know, it's it's worth it's worth pursuing. When was that point for you? I think Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I think the funny thing, alignment of stars. So, 2018, I had uh, written a couple of scripts that I had sent to Kajo, and Kajo, he was I think at a low at that point. And then, ah, we pitched we pitched Trese to one of the U.S. publishers and got a very nice rejection letter. It was one of the few publishers that actually replied and said, you know, thank you very much, but we don't think this is for us kind of email. But they replied. So I told Kajo, I said, hey, we pitched this, and they said no. And that's when Kajo said, he said, I think it's because of the art. He said, Mudge, I'm going to redraw the entire first issue. <laughs> and then let's put it on a crowdfunding platform. And I said, wait, wait, what do you mean you want to redraw the first issue? We need to do book seven. That's <laughs> what I was telling him. But, you know, he was very insistent and, you know, he was very determined. And when he showed me the first pages of the, of the, 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 the redrawn book, I, you know, it, I was blown away. Um, so in a matter of months, we had put together a plan to put it on Indiegogo. And the plan was, we, and, and me and Kajo said, okay, this is our, in, in a way, the, the mentality was we need to make Trese reach a global audience because we felt that the local audience, we've reached some kind of saturation point. You know, we know that uh, we are very, very thankful that we have our reader base and we know that when we release a book, we know we will, you know, sell this much, you know, as far as, the comic book community is concerned. But Kajo was saying, we need to reach out to more people. And so uh, so we did the Indiegogo thing. And then the other serendipitous thing was that a couple of months before we launched Indiegogo, someone had tweeted Neil Gaiman and said, Dear Mr. Gaiman, when will you write a story about Philippine mythology? And Neil Gaiman said, Oh, I think there are many talented writers in the Philippines who can do it better than me. So there was that tweet. So by the time the Indiegogo campaign came out, I found that tweet of Neil Gaiman months back and I retweeted it and said, Dear Mr. Gaiman, we are, we've put uh, on Indiegogo this comic book about Philippine mythology. And he retweets that. And that just makes us reach our goal wow. in, in a couple of weeks. And then on the same month, the Netflix announcement happens, right? Oh. So that just makes us exceed our goal <laughs> because people are suddenly going, what is this thing? And because of the Netflix announcement, that's when Ablaze, our U.S. publisher, heard about it, gave us, sent us a, an email and said, do you want to be part of our new comic book company? So it kind of we had a goal in mind. We, you know, and, and the Indiegogo, at the end of the day, the Indiegogo platform, we sold 200 copies. But the mileage it had through Twitter combined with the Netflix announcement allowed us to 
to reach the right people at the right time. And now Trece is technically available. The comic book is available globally thanks to Ablaze. And I saw that. It's going to second printing, right? Is that right? And it's going into second printing. And the first book is going into second printing. Congratulations, Vods. Really great job. Fantastic. I want to also take that same question to you. Ten years in the making for, for Trece, right? I mean, there must have been some... Although you, you should have been always... I mean, I'm sure that you were always trying to be encouraging to Vods because that's the face you kind of had to put up to him during those ten years. I mean, there were also low points for you, high points for you there coming from your producing background. I mean, you could have just said, okay... Let's just shelve Tresset and move on to other projects. What were the low point? What was the sort of like the low point for you? And, and when it things start, you know, I guess changing for you after that. I wouldn't say it was like low points, but you, you know, sometimes there are projects that you pitch where you wonder, okay, did we? Is it the end of the road for it? It's just not being set up anywhere, and then there's a reason, you know, whether it's timing or it's not something that there's an audience for. But the thing is, like. Just when we would maybe pass on someone or they would pass on us, you know, because the, the situation wasn't right, we'd look at each other and we'd be like, but we know it's still good. And really, the very next time, it would never, they would, there would be people raving about the, the next people we would talk to would be the same. The response for the material was always the same. We think it's great. We love it. You know, we've, the only thing, the only question is like, how do we set it up or who's the market for that? Like that was always the case. So it it reinforced our sort of theory that, okay, we just need to find the right home for it. People who understand it, people mm-hmm. who understand what the reach could be, people who understand where the source material was coming from. It was unlike anything else, but that should also be a plus point for them. And wow. it, as you know, as Budge says, it's, it's, it's timing, it's the alignment of stars, because at that point, as I mentioned, Netflix anime was building that division. And we were, we were luckily, we were prepared. Like we had the experience, we knew what the book could be. And, you know, and we found the home and it was the right home. So, you know, for all of that, it was, it was, we still can't believe it sometimes, but, you know, it, it's luck, but it's also hard work to get to that point. The same for Budge and Kajo. Like, I, mean, I can't help but think that if, if, let's say, by sheer luck or the stars aligned 10 years ago, Tanya, if we launched Trece back then, I don't know if it would have had this same effect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It also helped that, you know, that well, it is... It's very focused. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, a very focused audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So it would have been like, it, it's like, um, you know how it is when you watch a movie and then you say, as you're watching this movie, it will say, based on a comic book. And you're going, oh, it was based on... You never even heard of the comic book, right? right? So there's so many movies that have been based on comic books, and and some people don't even bother to look for the comic book after it came out. So in a way, it was worth the wait because yeah. you know if it came out all those years ago, we we don't know. We, we don't know. Yeah. What the, well, it just feels like the right conditions yeah. are happening now. Um, you know, guys, uh, this is my, my wife's coming in right now saying, Wow, what, what is this all about? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we're still live, sweetheart. Okay, so yeah, and then she's going, Oh, you've been gone this for some time because I, I, I love what we're doing, but I, I know we have, to, we have to start wrapping up here. But just one more question, Boj and, and, and Tanya. I think the big thing, especially right now, and going back to the idea that, you know, we're talking about the creative economy and the creative entrepreneur. And, and as we do that one, no, we're, we're seeing, you know, Many people, if if you were to translate this into startup terms, it's like a unicorn. 
Ah, yung 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 trace because it's coming out. Of, I mean, from from a certain standpoint, part it's coming out of nowhere. And and wow, it's it's a big thing, you know, with what it's done. What do you think are the creative opportunities that are still still here that you know we we're not seeing right now in the Philippines that you think is going to be uh, the next big thing? Because I know I, I know if you know Paulo Mercado budget uh, who, who's from the creative economy of the Philippines, right? And they're saying you know. They want the Philippines to be the next big creative economy. I mean, we've got we've got the animators, we've got the yes. artists, you know, we've got so many creative people around the world, and and we've got a great diaspora as well, right, Tanya? So help help us help help you know people listening here right now. What do you think are the great creative economy opportunities that are present in the Philippines that that we still have an opportunity to tap? And you know, we want. I mean, the, I like how budget's been putting it, and it's so magnanimous of you. Tres is opening up the floodgates. And that's very humble of you saying it's opening the floodgates for more people to recognize Filipino creativity, creators, and the creative economy. So what are you seeing in sectors that can still grow as a result of Tres opening the doors for them? Uh, Budge, ikamuna. I think primarily that the, the creators uh, should find it encouraging to just continue telling their stories and to find ways to get it in front of as many people as possible. That even if it might be a printed book, that you now have so many platforms to promote your book or your story for that matter. You know, uh, can, can you do a TikTok challenge to promote your book, right? Uh, or, or, or again, in, in, in all of the other social media platforms. And I think by finding a community that supports your your story, I think, is a good starting point. And that's what technology has made possible. But the other big thing that I do feel Trece has benefited from are uh, events and organizations like Comic-Con and Comiket, right, who have nurtured uh, to make the community grow. Uh, But even their influence has reached a saturation point as well. So I think that's where other, what do you call this, outs, you know, you need now an external force to make this grow. How can you encourage more comic book creators to produce on a more regular basis, right? Uh, is there a fund or a grant uh, or for that matter, a publishing company that's willing to set up a model that's almost equal to you know, like US and Japan. So just give it a try, right? Just give it a try and say, here's, we're betting this much money to produce a hundred comic books in the next 12 months. And, and maybe that's the bet that somebody needs to make, right? Whether it is an online comic book or a printed comic book, but that's the only way we will find the next interesting story. You know, uh, my last example is, if you think about it, Stan Lee came up with Fantastic Four after, what, 30 years of, of writing cowboys, romance. Romance stories. Yeah. Oh, uh, all sorts of comics, right? He tried everything in those 30 years. And then on his 40th year, he said, I'm going to do it this way. And that's what, that's what became a, a hit. And he was supported by his editor. So that's the other thing. If his editor thought, now nah, that's going to flop, then then there would have been no Spider-Man, no X-Men, no Captain America after that. But he got the support. He His publisher 
might not have had the same vision as him, but trusted him enough to say, okay, let's try out, let's try out your next crazy idea. Thanks for being crazy for the rest of us, Budge. It means, ah. Karina, I, I, could, I could tell you saying, what will be the next big story, actually? Who is going to be the next Trese? But that's really, the, that's really now. That, that's really what we're thinking of right now. Tanya, how about you? What do you think are the creative opportunities? And you've got, you've got a bit of a regional and even global mindset to see what are the opportunities which lie in the Philippines that we can leverage that other countries uh, might not, uh, where, where we can still be ahead of other countries. Well, I think for that, we kind of, for that to even happen, we have to take an honest look of where we are at the creative industries right now or for the creative economy. Because until we do that, we can't go forward or we can't, we can't develop the full potential of what it is. And part of that is seeing, okay, how is our theatrical audience doing? You know, why are a lot of them are streaming and our theatrical attendance is down? We have to look at that in order to just see honestly where we are and figure out where we can do better. The thing which I hope Tressa encourages everyone from the finance sector to the creative economy to the creators is that finding an audience in the right way, the way, you know, Tressa has found its audience and the way we set it up proves that it's a, it's viable to have Filipino IP, you know, be at that level, be at this high quality level and find an audience, not just locally, but also internationally which hopefully encourages us to really develop quality content that, you know, end up finding is accessible and ends up finding audiences, you know, here and abroad. So, you know, that's, that's what I hope we've helped in like putting Tressa forward. And like, we, you know, we've always said with Budge, we don't want to be the last one. We want to just be the stepping stone for everybody to like surge forward. Well, thanks so much, Budge and Tanya. And I guess the most important and last question is, Will we see a Trese season two? Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> like that. Fingers too crossed. Okay. Uh, then, since I'm there, Narin, may magkakaroon ba ng Trese limited edition na uh, Lego set badge habang nandiyan ka na rin? It, uh, we, we can most definitely try and pitch for that idea. <laughs> okay. And again, guys, thanks so much. Uh, Budge, thanks for being an inspiration. Tanya, for, thank you for bringing the story of Trese from the, from the four corners, from the four corner pages up to an, an anime. I mean, for many of us, it, you know, we, I mean, I feel so proud and so happy just to see Budge doing so well. And Budge, congratulations for the great job that you're doing right there in Lego. Continue to rep the Philippines over there. And Tanya, thank you so much. Just to let you guys know, next week, my next guests are the guys from Gigil because I was so excited coming from this episode. They did the Netflix promotion where uh, where they vandalized the Netflix posters themselves using Chanaks going around and, and vandalizing the posters over there. Guys, Conting Plug Lang, thanks so much to our friends from Consulta MD. Uh, right now, health and the new normal should be our top priority. Consulta MD is a telemedicine app that allows you to have 24-7 unlimited access to licensed doctors. No appointment needed as long as you have a local Philippine number. You can consult a doctor via voice or video call anytime as often as you want for as low as 60 pesos a month. You can enjoy a limited voice consult, one video consult, access to e-prescription, e-laboratory requests, e-medical certification, general health information, proper medication, even support for mental health for the whole month. They also have monthly plans from 99 pesos to 150 pesos and some years plan from 499 to 999. Pwede mo tong ma-share with your partner, family, or friends. Download the Consulta MD app right now on Google Play or the App Store. Again, guys, thanks for coming here before that. Uh, guys, enjoy. 
Uh, we love you. We'll see you again next week on the RJ Ledesma Podcast. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Flimsy staying slowing you down? Well. It's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O.com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress.